this December 7th through 9th. Check out the EdUp Experience podcast live and in person in Doha, Qatar for the World Innovation Summit on Education. We will be documenting the ideas and innovations from today's most influential global education leaders. Check them out at wise-qatar.org and follow the EdUp Experience podcast for more information. Yay! Do you want to hear about something that is so unique for two-year colleges? Did you know that Unmuddle created a national marketplace for community colleges? That's right. For more details, go to unmuddle.com slash colleges. That's U-N-M-U-D-L dot com slash colleges. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio here with you again and again. Boy, am I excited today for the episode. I feel like we're serving up a five-course dinner on this episode. It's, it's got me already jazzed. Uh, I do want to remind folks, hit our website. You know, one of the most valuable um, uh, categories that we have, because you know we've categorized all the episodes on our website, we have a business and industry category now where we bring on the brightest and most influential leaders in business and industry to give you the perspectives are in and around higher education. Kind of brings me to my point on this episode because I've got a I've got a co-host um, with me first I want to introduce him um, before we started the episode um, the the recording started and I was I came on last and I heard him going like this <laughs> and I was like what is what is that sound uh, and why is he laughing like he's taking over the experience and then I realized he has been here before he is taking over his name is John Farrar and he's director of education at Google John Welcome back. Uh, Joe, always great to be back. And uh, I've, I've been wondering what this was going to be like without Liz and with you being unsupervised. And the soundboard <laughs> is living up to what I thought might happen. J uh, just stop laughing, John, please. Uh, I know, keep it up. And we might we may take over this thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm telling you, it's a Google takeover of the Edip experience. I, I'm, I'm very excited about that. And John, you've brought you've brought somebody with you that I would say is highly influential in the learning space. You want to talk about who you brought with you today or do you want me to introduce her? I, I kind of feel like you should. I, I'm happy to do it. Uh, we've got my good friend, Katie Kurtz uh, with us today from the YouTube learning um, side of things. She's our second guest here. We had Lisa Gebelow from the Grow, that, Grow with Google certs uh, earlier in the year. And, uh, and Katie's our second sort of uh, Google personality. Uh, Katie is a is an education native. Spent time at, at Princeton Review. Spent time at Noodle Partners, and has been in her current role for the last couple of years, two plus, um, and is really focused on really uh, making YouTube an essential part of the learning ecosystem, which has become really um, an integral force within that. And it's I'm excited to bring Katie on and talk about um, how that is evolving and, and kind of where she sees it going to next. Katie Kurtz, welcome to the Edip Experience. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. I can't even get the crowd to, I, Katie, they just won't <laughs> stop. It's like this continual, guys, sit down, sit down. She's important, come on. All right. Katie, how, how are you? First of all, how are you doing? I am well, thanks. It's great to be here. I hope you're excited. We're going to have a good time talking about what you know how to talk about. 
it's interesting, you know, because I was doing, I do a little bit of background and I saw and I'm like, wait a minute, how do I not, how do we not cross paths before? Because I've been in higher ed for like 20 years. You worked at Noodle Partners, you were here, you were there. I swear your name sounds familiar because higher ed, you know, it's like this closed ecosystem. You always come across people, the same people, sure just in different is. roles. <laughs> yep, for sure. And I uh, and I have also been in uh, higher ed for about 20 years. So I'm sure our paths have crossed at some point. We just don't remember. So how? tell me how you go from the, let's call it the more traditional higher ed pathway to ending up at YouTube. What's that journey? How do you get there? And uh, I mean, because understand that for the, us normal higher ed folks, we're like, how did, how did she do that? Like, how does somebody get to YouTube? Talk about that journey. Well, um, so I, I started in education. I mean, it's true. I've been in education for, for about uh, 20 years. And, and sadly, I, I, I wish I could say that was actually where I started right out of college. But I actually started in, in TV production. Um, I was a, a producer on the Food Network in the very early days of the Food Network. And, um, and that's really what got me excited about media. So I ended up at graduate school. Um, in a media studies program, it was the early days of the internet and you know the dot com, everything. Um, and I got really interested in the idea of bricks and mortar companies that were building websites and not really knowing what they wanted out of them. So I did a summer internship at the Princeton Review. They had just built their first online SAT test prep course and. They didn't really know why like, it was kind of like a bright shiny object but it was like but what are, what's the end goal here is it you know is it branding is it marketing is it lead gen um, is it an actual product does it cannibalize our existing products and so um so i joined to help think through that that problem space and just ended up falling in love with the space broadly i i never left i was at the princeton review for for 10 years um i got really excited about the idea of test prep as a way to, you know, kind of think about education as meeting students where they where they are. Um, and so a big part of what I did in my role there was you know, business development um, was think through sort of product extensions. How could we how could we take the content that we have and, and meet students in, in different in different moments of their lives. So we created an SAT um, video game in partnership with Ubisoft. That's I created smart. one of the it was it was fun. It was actually it was pretty fun. Um, and uh, we created one of the first uh, education apps in the App Store. It was an SAT vocabulary game. The idea being if you have 10, 15 minutes on the school bus, you know, you might as well do something that's valuable, but also fun. So it used a lot of like gamification techniques It ended up being really, um, really popular. Um, and I think what I have discovered is that it's not surprising to me that a lot of the innovation that's come out of the ed tech uh, space has really been incubated in test prep. You see so many innovators who've come from places like Princeton Review and Kaplan. And I think it's because of this maniacal focus on, on the student experience, on the learner, meeting them where they are and measuring outcomes, which of course, you know, the internet is, is then great at. So, um, so I did that for about 10 years. I ended up as a, a, one of the first business hires at a very early uh, days startup called Newton an adaptive learning platform. I was the head of biz dev and PR there in the early days. I ended up uh, at Cengage, heading up the higher ed sales team, um, and then found my way back to my old boss, John Katzman, at his latest startup, Noodle Partners, where I was the chief uh, product officer for a little while, building fully online degree programs for universities like NYU and, 
and Tulane. And, and then this opportunity came around. And after spending 20 years around education, trying to improve learning outcomes at scale, you know, nothing felt like it could be more tantalizing as an opportunity than YouTube with over 2 billion users. And, and to this day, almost three years later after joining, I still, the scale and reach of engagement of this platform is just astonishing to me. Amazing. Thanks, John, for that comment. Your voice is very deep today, but I, it's not time for you to be brought in. I have one more question for Katie before I kick it over to you. It is amazing, though, Katie, because you're talking about, I mean, we're talking about YouTube here, right? I mean, let's let's get our arms around this. I mean, the the possibilities, the learning that's already being realized, the content, the the I mean just the possibilities the potential it's isn't not endless I mean video is so much of where it's at right now I, I will tell you I um I, I I'm not particularly like a you you know where it's TikTok and YouTube all the time I'm I'm more on YouTube than I am TikTok but you see students today 17 18 I've got like a neighbor who that's all they did there there wasn't even tv watching I'm like what, what shows you watch oh nothing i just watch youtube i'm just yeah. on youtube yeah. and think about that potential you're just on youtube so what is it that you're you're inserting or a, a kind of in control of 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 learning for social impact and uh, and programs how do you focus uh uh content to a learning yeah. platform yeah. so to speak yeah, no, it's it's it is it's it is amazing to think about. You know, um, YouTube is no TV. Again, what is that? I, I, exactly. Okay. I have I have three kids. One of them is really a poster child for for learning on YouTube. He just teaches himself everything he learns. He learns uh, by going to YouTube first. Um, but it's true. Like it it is a platform of over two two billion people, and it sounds absurd, but almost everyone uses it to learn something. I mean, over 85% of our users say they go to the platform to learn something. So now that can be anything from, I wanna you know, learn how to make a sourdough starter, or I have to fix a tire, um, or it could be photosynthesis or you know, teaching myself Python. Um, and so we know that people are gonna come to the platform because they need to learn for school, for work, just for life. Um, they may come because they want to learn something new, like a new hobby, or they want to connect with another community of people who care about a passion that they have. Or they might come to YouTube because they need to learn something, whether that's a just-in-time how to solve something that's broken and fix it in my house, or because I have to you know, pass a test or a course or get a job. So um, it is it is really a ubiquitous part of the platform. But the thing that I... Um, and most awed by really is just how beloved a user experience it is. Um, we do a lot of user testing, and when we and when we talk to users, they report that after learning something on YouTube, they feel more confident and more empowered. Um, and that's 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 deeply motivating to me. Katie, to to that end, um, and uh, I, YouTube is a highly personal, I think. Uh, interface and you get to see people in a lot of their you know kind of natural environments and you get those heartstring um, pulling moments what are what are some of the favorite stories that you and the team have encountered um, going through that experience that you just described at a macro level but I mean do you have some real life examples that you found interesting 
So yeah, I actually, um, it's, uh, it's, it's so uh, my first experience uh, with learning on YouTube and the power of, of people turning into it on their own, right? Like my, my, I am motivated to learn on my own was actually when I was at Cengage, I was, um, I was overseeing a team. It was you know, 350 sales reps all over the country. I was on college campuses, you know, every, every week. And I would always try to talk to students when I was there. Um, and I'd ask them questions like, you know, it's the first day of school and you get your syllabus. What do you do? And almost to a person, they would say, I go to YouTube and see if I can find the videos that are going to help me succeed in this course. And it just, just was like a light bulb that students have motivation to succeed. They want to learn. They seek out additional resources to help them. And so often, you know, we, we find in, in formal education, we just, we're, we're failing them. Um, and we're taking a lot of that self-motivation and we're not, we're not meeting the, the moment. And then I get to YouTube and I'm just overwhelmed by so many of our edutubers. That's what we call our, our learning creators uh, fondly, our edutubers. So many of their- Edutubers, uh, Katie? Edutubers. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Um, yeah, copywriting it. <laughs> uh, Please do, because okay, um, it's a great title for the episode. Let me tell you. Okay, there we go. Um, they- so many of them have users that are just um, that are just filled. Their the comments are just filled with thank yous and praise, and whether it's Melissa Maribel and her and her chemistry channel, uh, where she has one uh, user who was like, "You make the world a better place," or uh, the user on Crash Course um, who said, "You guys deserve all of my tuition dollars." Um, I think though that the the most the most meaningful story that I hold close to me thinking about the power of what we do and the potential for improving lives is, um, is actually the story of, uh, of a man named Josh Carroll. He, um, he enlisted after September 11th. He did three uh, tours and, and came back um, suffering from PTSD. He was working as a, as a janitor in a, in a local high school. Um, part of his job was cleaning uh, the library at night and he stumbled across the science section, started reading books on his own and decided he wanted to be a physicist, but he had no more than 10th grade uh, math, had never taken trigonometry before and went to YouTube and taught himself trigonometry entirely on his own. Um, he now makes his living as a physicist. Um, the, the, the ability to, of education and access to education to transform lives is, is, is never lost on on me uh, going john yeah uh, no great story well i'm getting sensitive now john I'm, I'm, i want to make sure you don't feel like we're taking over the show so <laughs> that's my sensitive button huh? disturb your sensibilities um, <laughs> um but katie like let's just um sort of call out the elephant in the room here in terms of this pandemic and what it's done you know to the platform and maybe accelerated uh maybe adaptation and maybe in ways that you hadn't seen before Joe and I, and, and, you know, and Liz in previous episodes have talked about, you know, the pandemic probably pulled forward virtual learning or um, online learning a, a full decade, at least half a decade, depending on how you want to look at it, which part of the ecosystem. Um, I guess what, what changes did you, uh, did you notice on the platform and how is that, you know, what do you think that portends for, for going forward? Um. Yeah, no, we, we certainly, you know, over one and a half billion students, right, were like immediately thrust into remote learning without a lot of planning and preparation. And so 
very early on, we, we definitely saw an increase in the consumption of, uh, of academic content. Just for you know context, in January and February of 2020, we had something like 300 videos that were uploaded with the title Remote Learning or Distance Learning. In March of 2020 alone, there were 23,000. So it was just clear that we were going to have to do something to be more helpful. Um, to students and to and to educators. And so we we created a destination, youtube.com slash learning in 12 languages available in 33 markets around around the world. Um, and where we could, we partnered with ministries of education to help ensure that that destination became a resource, a supplement, um, to make it as curriculum aligned as possible so that students could really use it to stay engaged in their academic studies. It wasn't gonna replace what was happening in distance learning, but it could help them feel like they had more tools at their disposal maybe to, to help them stay engaged. Um, and we definitely wanted to make that you know, available for teachers as well who were struggling to keep their students engaged. Um, we also knew that parents were struggling and how to keep, um, how to keep focus, but also how to keep their students and their kids off of devices. Uh, so we created a temporary website called Learn at Home. It was really meant to be for, for caregivers. And while it certainly featured a lot of academic content, um, it also had a lot of content about you know, learning by doing, creativity, getting away from your computer and experimenting and, and getting outside, which ended up being, I think, a bit of a, of a, of a lifeline during the summer with so many camps closed, schools closed, not, not a lot for, for kids to, to do. And, and certainly ever since then, we have not seen any of that interest wane. You know, we, we still feel like um, the, the interest in, in academic video content to supplement what's happening inside of the for, formal classroom space is, is, um, is not really going away. Um, and so we'll continue to keep investing in this area to see if we can't be more and more helpful to, to users and teachers. Katie, I want to ask more of a tactical question to you. You know, your title, Director of Contra Content Partnerships, Learning and Social Impact uh, with YouTube, and tell me what that means, all right? So Director of Content Partnerships, I'm assuming that, I, that, you know, not everybody can just raise their hand to be a content partner. Right. There's some kind of requirement that, that you must have or reach that you must have. And then learning and social impact, are those mutually exclusive? Are, are you trying to connect those two things together? Is it learning for social impact or social impact from learning? Or can be the, they, are they completely separate when it comes to content partnerships? Um, they are. So, yes, we, we do work with we work with uh, content partners directly. Um, so we'll work with uh, in, endemic creators, we'll work with media companies, we'll work with institutions as they're thinking about their channel strategy, um, how YouTube fits into their overall uh, content uh, story. Um, and, um, and then the difference between learning and social impact is we really see them as very much connected. Part of the way that we define social impact um, is around educating users to understand a cause in order to take action on that cause. And that cause could be you know, climate change and sustainability. It could be social justice, it could be racial justice. It could be a lot of different things, but, our, but the partners that we're working with are, are specifically looking to help empower users to know what they can do about it. And on the learning side, you know, learning is, is pretty broad. Um, uh, 
but we are really thinking about that content that's helping users towards achieving a goal that they have. How are we helping them on, on their pathway? Whatever that, that goal could be, whether it's academic or it's professional development skills, we wanna, we wanna help uh, move, move them forward. And, and I, I definitely think that there is, an, there is a positive social impact in, in, in across, across the spectrum of all of the partners that we're working with. Wow. I like that a lot because we know how important social impact is. No matter how you quantify it or qualify it, I think there's a lot of, I, I don't think, I know that business and industry individuals, we're all sort of being measured by the, our ability to impact our social situation for the better or other social situations for the better, right? That's a big part of, I think, the movement and awareness around social, uh, social impact in general. And learning plays a very key part in that, right? You have to know, like you said, you have to know the issue before you can take action on that issue. Yeah. And people that come to YouTube all the time, all day long to learn things. There's uh, learning how to use a soundboard, for example, um, so <laughs> I can have something like this. Let's get started. Right. So, so I know that it's, so I, I came to YouTube and I was like, oh, I got this great piece of equipment here. I have no idea how to use it. The directions make no sense. So let me go to YouTube and I YouTubed it. I did. I YouTube got how to use my soundboard. <laughs> Total a true story. Um, but to higher ed, right? Uh, how many instructors, faculty, searched for how do I teach online or what resources are out there for online learning as we transition into COVID world. Now we go back uh, or some institutions are going back. They're going back to in-person classes. They're resuming maybe what happened before COVID. And we all know that the worst thing you could ever do is, you know, we used to do it that way and go back to that same thing. Do you think that educators and learners will continue to supplement their teaching, uh, their their knowledge via YouTube, even though some might go back to whatever normal looked like? Um, I think that we're already seeing that, that they, that they will. And in part, because I think um, YouTube doesn't replace teachers, right? Like, but like all we're doing is enabling teachers to connect with, with audience and, and really the power of at the end of the day, right? Like the power of a great teacher, that person who like, everyone has that story of that one teacher who connected with you and helped you imagine something that you could achieve that you didn't think that you could do. And it's like, it's this, it's this moment that stays with you for the, for the rest of your life. All those great teachers right now are limited in classrooms of you know, 30, 30 students at a time. All we wanna be able to do is give them the opportunity to reach 30,000 students at a time if they want to. Um, and, and if we can, what does that mean in terms of that moment, that that light bulb happening for just that many, just that many more students in the world? Um, and so, one of the things that I that I am completely awed by again is just how how intrinsically motivated users are to come to the platform to learn on their own. That no one sends them there; they seek it out. And I think that they that the other thing that we're seeing in the in in sort of like not a return to the previous times is part of what they were seeking out wasn't just the information. Um, there's more to learning on YouTube than just the teaching. There's also the community. There's the engagement with other people. There's finding 
you know, the people who are going to help you through, who are going to support you. And one of the things that I do love so much about our edutubers and the channels that they create is when you get into the comments section, you can find this just this this wonderfully inclusive peer group of people who are asking questions and, and helping each other. So so it's not it's not just the information. They're definitely seeking more than that. And that's why I don't think that we're going to go back to a time where that outlet to supplement your academic studies isn't um, isn't just a sort of a part of the process moving forward. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Diaz, Interim President of Gateway Community College in Phoenix, Arizona. Gateway is a proud founding college partner of Unmuddle. We joined Unmuddle to reach a new market of students, the working learners. Unmuddle provides a needed mechanism for these students to work and learn simultaneously, providing a valuable return on their investment. Unmuddle elevates Gateway's non-credit training opportunities to a national level, scaling in a way that is difficult for individual community colleges to do on their own. Unmuddle also provides a unique opportunity for colleges to feasibility test new potential certificate and degree programs. The higher education landscape is crowded, but the value of community colleges is unmatched. Unmuddle will take us to new heights, and we're excited for the journey. Well, I want to pass it to I want to pass it to you, John. But I, I have guys. I, I hate to do this to you both, but I am going to do it. Um, I've I've kind of got a curveball question. I'm going to ask it to you, Katie. You can pick from one of the two, and then John has to answer the other one. This is the okay. unexpected part of the episode, John. And then I'm going <laughs> to and then once you guys answer, John, you can you can kind of take it take it from there. Uh, are you ready, uh, Katie? I'm ready. I'm ready. I just love to hit that button. Right, it makes me feel like super game show official almost. Uh, I want to ask you, Katie, if there's a song playing for you and it's your entrance music. I've been asking guests this a lot lately. What's the song that would play for you every single time you entered a room, your entrance music? Or you can answer, Katie, what does your dream vacation look like? The one you need to take. Um, well, I did work at a company once where there was music every time you opened the front door. This so, is amazing. <laughs> and uh, and so I do I didn't choose the song. It was chosen for me, but I know what that song is. But I'm going to save that because I want to hear John's uh, answer. I will say that the vacation uh, that I at, that I am taking uh, is in a, is in a couple of weeks to Hawaii, where I have never been before, um, and I'm very yes. very excited to experience. And you deserve it. John, that leaves you with your entrance music that you have to answer for everybody. Yeah, um, look, I'm, uh, I'm living in California, uh, but spent a, uh, my dad is from Chicago. I spent 20 years in Chicago. We'll probably make our way back there again. Uh, I am a huge Sinatra fan. So Chicago would probably be that, would be that song for me. I don't know that really says anything about me other than that's kind of where I, I consider myself to be a native of, but um, that's, that's probably the song. I think it says a lot, John. Thanks guys. I get to learn a little bit about you, John, take it away. Uh, yeah. Katie, following up on the previous, um, although Katie, I do want to hear what your walk-up song is. <laughs> I, I got to hear it too. I got to hear what this song was that was playing. It was a, it was a surprise. And I think it was a joke. Uh, um, I think, I don't know. It was Uptown Girl by, uh, by Billy Joel. Because oh, I am a, yeah. 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 I'm a lifelong New Yorker and I, I, like um, I actually grew up downtown. Um, I went to school uptown uh, and all of, uh, all of my, my friends, uh, 
it was it was eight miles away is how it is is how it felt I like very, it. Uh, very famous video i remember that yes uh, <laughs> going back to going back to i get, i think you know where joe was at and like how are we going to use youtube to to supplement education going forward i completely agree with you i don't think we're going backwards and i think the places that do decide to go backwards are um are probably going to suffer a little bit. I think students have gotten used to uh, virtual education, the flexibility it provides, and frankly, the enhanced learning at their speed it provides. I'm wondering, and this is a little bit of a projection, and maybe me again as a Midwesterner that went to class in freezing cold weather, I at now today, I would really want an incentive to go to class and having a different experience. In other words, like um, I can probably get Professor Smith's lecture now in a video format, that then allow would allow Professor Smith to have more in-class presentations, teamwork, mentoring, coaching, again, like what I think would be teaching versus lecturing. Like, how do you see that coming about? Do you think that will be a thing? And do you think like, I, I guess what in our surveying students, I'm, I'm starting to feel that that's a little bit of a guess, but I'm starting to feel it. I got a feeling like the technology is going to allow for more of that. So I'm wondering how you're seeing that, that part of teaching evolve maybe as an enhancement. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, I hope so too. I, I think one of the things that we are, that we're seeing is that institutions more than individual teachers are sort of lagging behind a little bit. And maybe it's just a little hard to reimagine your role as an institution and, and, um, and, and how you show up. But but so many of our edutubers are just educators. They are, they are teachers, they're professors, they're starting a, a YouTube channel because they, they, they love to teach and they think that they can find audience that way and they can connect in a different way. And sometimes it also allows for um, a different way of showing up, maybe a little less, uh, I am the authority figure in your life and maybe more of I can be the peer or the tutor that can kind of coach and guide you and help you feel like you can be successful. Um, we definitely, you know, don't see that as much from institutions uh, yet and we're working on it. You know, John, as you know, we work together to create that getting started guide for higher ed institutions and in, in hopes to um, and thank you, your team was so amazing in, in helping us put that together. And part of it was to was to really help create a different way of thinking about showing up. And you know, we tend to see higher ed institutions show up in one of three ways. And and the first and most common is still marketing brochure, you know, really flashy, highly produced campus tour videos, or you know, maybe a little bit about the football team. And um, you know, maybe a user will stumble across that if they're if they're searching for for your for your institution specifically, but they're not going to subscribe to that channel, right? Like it's not creating a relationship, it's not creating a connection um, because it doesn't feel authentic to them. It feels like marketing. Um, the second way is we just see a bunch of universities take a lot of video content that they have created for online. Uh, courses and then just say, well, you know, I'll repurpose it. I'll just put it up on a YouTube channel. And that way, if, you know, it, 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 I'm sort of amortizing the cost of that investment by letting people find it in a different way. And sure, users might stumble across that as, as well if they're searching for a specific concept, but it mostly ends up feeling like a junk drawer of content. It has no organizational structure. It has no personality. It doesn't really tell you who this, this institution is. And so the third way, which is, um, 
you know, the, the, the most, uh, you know, significant commitment um, is actually to create a narrative, a persona, to create an identity, to curate a channel that speaks to who your institution is and who you want it to be. Um, and we've worked with some uh, universities to to reimagine their presence on on YouTube. And I'm 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 positive that we can do more in this space. When we worked with Duke, for example, we helped them reimagine their their channel with shelves that, you know, what, there's one channel that's organized around campus life, if that's what you're interested in. But there's another that's, you know, sort of fundamentals of engineering. And I show up as a user and I get a sense of what Duke is all about. Um, we've worked with uh, Arizona State University. They also wanted to show up uh, differently. And they had a particular problem that they were trying to solve for. They saw a lot of first year freshman students really struggling in foundational courses that are required for, for graduation. And it's very hard to reach those students once they're starting to fall behind. So they wanted to have a YouTube channel as a way to supplement, to speak to those students, but to speak to them with a different voice, not the professor in the room who's assessing you or grading you or judging you, but as someone who's actually just there to support you and help get you through. Um, and one of the things that I'm, I'm most excited about that, that we did there was that we helped kind of act, act as matchmaker with one of our most successful endemic learning partners. Uh, Crash Course, uh, founded by John and Hank Green, has been, they've been on the platform now for you know, over 10 years. They've created incredibly engaging and charming and funny videos, unpacking incredibly complex academic subjects. They have almost 13 million subscribers at this point. They're just really, really talented storytellers. And so we were able to bring them together to create a, a content series of learning playlists designed to act as a supplement to academic courses. Um, and it's been really great to see the success. We've had, you know, just over a year, we had about a million, we had about a million views. Um, but even more interestingly, we saw over a hundred different institutions were starting to embed that content within their own learning management systems, which I think is a clear signal that this kind of content is really, there's just a lot more of it needed. And I'd love to do more to help universities reimagine their strategy of showing up in a different way. Want me to keep going, Joe? I, I want you to keep going until you exhaust yourself, John. But, uh, you know, I've, I don't know how long that's going to take. <laughs> that could take a while with John. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I guess one follow-up to that. One of the things that, I've, that Joe has heard me make this remark before, but I just looked up on YouTube and uh, it just typed in, why should I major in business? Right? And a handful of videos come up. But what I found interesting is there isn't one university that has kind of done the PSA on this and said, you know, these are the reasons, these are the five reasons you should major in business and the benefits of it. Um, it's the watch out, same thing for nursing, whatever. And it just seems like there's something missing maybe on the student journey that, um, you know, maybe us as an ecosystem could be helping with uh, for, as, a, as an example of that, used to work in home services. If you go on YouTube right now on how to fix your flapper valve, like everybody has got that running toilet, uh, you, you will find a Roto-Rooter video. It's two and a half minutes. Tells you how to fix that flapper valve. It's got 14 million views. <laughs> Very interesting years. example, John. Thank you. Well, but my point is that's a much lower involvement process than deciding <laughs> where to invest your education dollars, right? Yes. And yet, yeah, I don't think the ecosystem is doing a lot to help students on that journey. And it does seem like 
YouTube lends itself. I'm more probably making a statement than a question, Katie, but I, I, I am curious, like how, how can we better utilize this platform for that part of the student journey, especially in light of the pandemic where it's like modalities have changed uh, and, and potentially how students are looking at their investments changed. It just seems like a missed opportunity for the whole space. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, I think we're, you know, hopefully I think we're starting to, to um, see some signs of, of success there. Again, I'm, I'm really thrilled with some of the work that we've done so far with, um, with this ASU crash course partnership um, and, um, and trying to, to help, to help reimagine this, this, um, this student journey and the different touch points that you need along the way. And I think that's the, that's the piece where I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, um, I guess motivated, um, and I and I see so much potential for for YouTube to act as that kind of tutor, guide, support. You know, we'll never replace the 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 full experience, but if we can help keep you on your path to success as a user, um, I keep coming back to just how intrinsically motivated everyone is on YouTube to learn. They came there on their own to do it, and that. And that is a that is an it's a beautiful thing that they are finding people who are helping get them through. And and the more we can tap into that, it doesn't student success doesn't have to be you know outsourced to coaches. It can be built. It can be crowdsourced within your own community. I might understand a concept that you don't understand, John, and vice versa. And we can help each other. And through that experience of helping each other, we're creating more confidence in our own ability to learn and succeed. And so that's. That's where I think there's there's already so many, like there's just so many wonderful examples of creators that are building those kinds of communities on YouTube. And I and I and I hope, back to your question, Joe, about what my team can do, I hope my team can um, can be a part of helping to make sure we're 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 helping a lot more folks being able to do that. Yeah, I think that what you just said there that you don't necessarily have to outsource student success retention. You can crowdsource it. It's like a, I, I call it the mic drop moment of this episode. <laughs> Thanks for dropping that bomb, Katie. Uh, yeah, that was a big mic. <laughs> you like that? Um, yeah. It's a very big microphone that, that you have. And, and a lot of influence. And I think it's so important what you're doing, especially what I find most interesting is that you can kind of, you have at, an at-home research department, you know, with your kids and yes. you can, you just, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Why are you doing it that way? I mean, talk about, you know, something, maybe another leader wouldn't necessarily have that level of research, but you have that at-home research department. You have very motivated team members with a commitment to learning. I mean, look, I don't think anybody who's not looking at YouTube, anybody that's looking at YouTube and going, oh, this doesn't have anything to do with the future of learning is out of their mind, right? Because YouTube is absolutely where so many of us go to learn. How do we formalize that? How do we take advantage of the channel of the ability to be seen, right? You said it earlier, you said um, authentic, use the word authentic and authenticity is currency. Don't you think Katie? I mean, it really is. Yeah. I mean, that's that certainly, uh, certainly, you know, our, we know from our, our Gen Z uh, users, uh, they, they do, they, they smell marketing, uh, you know, a mile away and they have, they want no part of it, right? Like they want to, they want to make connection. Um, and, um, 
and so yeah they seek out they seek out authentic experiences and i i guess that's my my one my one hope for for higher ed is someone who has been around the space for a really long time um and know that there's so much more that we can do to to help improve outcomes at scale that we have to do more it's a it's it's just a, a an imperative that we figure out how to help more people succeed um, and get on that path uh, to whatever success looks like for them in their in their lives and and i think part of that is just going to have to be showing up differently we just can't always have this professor uh, student relationship. There have to be other ways to connect. Um, there have to be other ways to create more safe space to fail. Um, one of the reasons I think that learning on YouTube is beloved is that no one is assessing you. No one's grading you. No That's one's giving right. you feedback, right? Like if you're stuck on something, you stop, you rewind the video. And if you're still stuck, you go find another video that explains the concept in the first video. That yeah, you're and you're not going to get a grade if you set your sound recorder up wrong. You're just going to go back and watch the video again. Yeah. You're just right. going to keep at it until you feel like you can, uh, you can, you can conquer it. And if you can't, you call a lifeline, which is another user, subscriber, someone in that in that channel who um, is offering to help you. And um, so that's what I'm I'm most hopeful for is we can try to show up differently in different in different places, create different spaces. Um, the fact that you can fail and keep going and find success on your own is incredibly motivating. Um, I, I, I think that there's more room to do more there. John, do you have any other questions for Katie before I give her the final two, as you, I like to call it? Uh, no, I, cause I, um, let's give her the final two. Cause I want to give her some room here. Cause I think, uh, I think I know what might be on tap. So ask the question. You got it. Katie, um, number one, what did we miss about YouTube learning? learning and social impact that you would want to say uh, any initiatives you have going on anything about your team anything cool plug away and then secondly <laughs> what do you see as the future look forward for us what's the future of higher education look like um let's see i would say um the thing well one of the things that i'm most excited about is that we've taken a lot of this momentum of seeing folks turning to YouTube to help supplement their academic studies and also to help find jobs, to find the skills needed for jobs. You know, we've talked a lot about um, about sort of traditional higher ed, but um, but we've also have a whole community of folks that are that are upskilling, reskilling, finding the skills that they need to to get the jobs that they that they want. And um, and as we think about this um, as we think about this this space of you know sort of self motivated learning um, on on YouTube, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is our ability to help users stay a little bit more engaged on their path, whatever that path might be. Um, we definitely took this pandemic as as a bit of a of a license to do to do more in this space, and and we've been building on this momentum. And and Susan, our our CEO, announced at the beginning of the year in her in her creator letter that one of our priorities was to double the number of users that are engaging with educational content on the platform. And we've been busy ever since, hence the Hawaii vacation that I'm so excited about. Uh, but really trying to uh, deliver on that promise. Um, to help users find the content they need when they need it and to 
stay engaged on it. I mean, YouTube in some ways is like the world's largest library of educational content, but you as a user walk into this library and there's no librarian to guide you. You've got to figure it out on your own. So how can we help? Um, how can we help you make sure you're finding the content that you that you need when you need it and then help you stay um, engaged on it? I mean, I, I think it's a it's it's wonderful in some ways that you as a as a learning creator are communicating within a space that also has gaming videos and Lizzo videos and it there's dancing in there stay. somewhere. Yeah, there's yeah, you're you're always going to have no shortage of distractions. Um, and so it, you know, it forces you to be a great storyteller to keep your your viewers engaged and um, and I think that that's wonderful and it's led to some really wonderful creative learning content on the platform. But I do think that there's more we can do to help users when they're really on a path, a goal, we can help keep them on that on that goal. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about what we have in, in store there as we continue to work to deliver on this pledge. What do you think about that, John? It's impressive stuff. I think Katie is somebody, Joe, that we need to keep in touch with. Um, I think uh, the YouTube impact on this space is only going to get greater. And uh, per usual, the, the user kind of dictates what that experience is going to be. And I know Katie and her team are working on on harnessing and evolving that to even greater depth. So um, I don't know, Joe, if I were you, I would keep her on the short list. Well, I'm going to do that. Um, offer accepted. Katie, if you're okay with that, I'm going to keep you. Now, now that we're connected, I'm going to have to to keep you up to date what's going here on here at up and you're going to have to keep me up to date on what's going on at YouTube. It's a deal. All right. You got it. Well, let me tell you this guys, uh, for all the listeners out there, I think, I think this is the third time John Farrar has taken over the episode. I do want to thank you, John. You're welcome to take over <laughs> anytime you want. Um, I've, the monster, but fourth. <laughs> It's more, Joe. It's not shorted here. It's it's the fourth one. I would never, I would never shortchange you. Um, I, I'm having a good old time with my soundboard here, John. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. I, I love what you're doing. Uh, how great of a friend you are to the Edip experience. We appreciate you. So you have an open mic anytime you want it. But more importantly, today our guest, Katie Kurtz. She's director of content partnerships, learning, and social impact with YouTube. Katie, an honor to have you on the Edip Experience today. Thank you so much for coming. The honor is all mine. Thank you so much, Joe. And I was going to use this for you because you're breaking glass ceilings and you're changing higher <laughs> education every single day with YouTube. And oh, uh, it's I too bad it. you don't have a little Billy Joel on your soundboard there as my walk-off. Uh, well, music. I think you agreed to come back again, so I will have it ready. For the next time yes. yeah. there you have it ladies and gentlemen another in my opinion amazing episode of the edip experience podcast you've just ed upped community colleges are major forces in and of themselves and i figured that there's nothing a group of community colleges couldn't do in a consortium the likes of of unmuddle that we could be unstoppable in a uh, in a collective of community colleges across the country, like-minded uh, and serving people's workforce training needs. That was the excitement for me, that a, a collective of community colleges could do almost anything even better than each one of us individually is already doing it, like workforce development, which we all are.